surprise. You're in for a shock. In London town streets, when there's darkness and fun. When you least expect me, and you turn your back, I'll attack. Well, all right. It's Rock and Roll Death Brigade podcast with me, Randy Rocket Cody of TheMetalDen.com. It is January 15th, 2023, Sunday. Hope everyone's doing good out there, having yourself a relaxing weekend as you get ready to to face a new week here and a new grind. Hope you've got uh, some of those, those goals that you've, uh, put out there for yourself here in the new year. Hope you're going for it still and you're not giving up. Uh, Whatever that might be, uh, trying to do some weight loss, maybe lose 30, 40, 50 pounds, or maybe even just 20 pounds. Whatever type of of goal you're setting for yourself, it doesn't have to be this big, big number. You can set a smaller number and go for that first. Uh, But, you know, the goals, meaning different things that you just set for yourself, things that you want to accomplish, maybe write a, a, a novel or a Maybe a screenplay, a movie, like how I just wrote about Al Capone and my family. So, you know, never give up on those dreams and those goals that you have for yourself. You never know what can happen. Uh, I'm real proud to say that this coming February, uh, here next month, it will mark 18 years since I created the Metal Den uh, online and uh, and began working in the, the heavy metal music industry as a, a promoter, a, a journalist, and... Uh, Obviously, showing my talents as well musically, and that I can uh, not only you know play bass and and, and sing, but produce, uh, engineer. I've done remixes and mashups and all sorts of different things that you'll find that at the Metal Den that you're not going to find anywhere else. Um, thankfully, they've been uh, promoted and and featured at other premier sites, and I'm I'm thankful for that. But the Metal Den really is, is my is my love letter to heavy metal for myself. It's not about trying to get popular or trying to be this, you know, what people think, this, this big type of personality that, that everyone has to pay attention to. It's not about that for me. The Metal Den was really just my thing that I was letting you all in on. <laughs> and when I started, that's exactly what it was. I, I came in, I took over the heavy metal industry, man, straight up. All across the world, the bands I was working with were the best bands being featured at the Metal Den. Okay, back back way back when uh, I hooked up with Eddie Karam from the Edge Factory, who was managing Echo Trend Band out of Florida, Cape Coral, Florida, if I remember that correctly. And they were a band that went on to be on the Devil's Dozen, uh, uh, Jose Mangan's uh, deal, where that you know, and, and and all sorts of cool things, and playing with all sorts of cool bands and on the uh, national acts and and. and and really doing good things with their music. And we had a lot of bands like that that, they, that we were promoting back in the day. 
you just don't see around anymore. You know, ever since the pandemic hit, a lot of these bands have disappeared. You're not really seeing as many underground bands, not real strong ones and real potent ones. Uh, bands I had worked with going back like Ninetail out of, out of Pennsylvania. These were bands that were throwing it down back in around 2006. And so I was working with a lot of different talent and it was a, it was a real awesome experience besides the fact that I was getting to interview the top talent, you know, in, in heavy metal um, and, and then be able to go to the shows as well. And I was in Los Angeles at that time. So I was working off the sunset strip. So I would go see shows at like the, the whiskey of go-go, uh, the key club house of blues. Some of these clubs aren't there anymore. Right. So, uh, this, this was, uh, how it all started for me with the metal den. And uh, I'm real proud to, to, to still be going strong. You know, obviously we've grown a lot of different ways. We have, uh, reporting going on, investigative reporting that you're just not going to find, not just at the Metal Den, not just in any hard rock, heavy metal sites. You're not going to find it anywhere. You know, all you're going to find at these other mainstream news sites is the same thing, the same narrative, the same agenda being sold to you. That's what you're going to get. And it's a new world order agenda. It's agenda that is uh, put in place so that they can uh, force everything down your throat whether you like it or not. And it's, 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 it's an agenda that's going to continue. And it's a, uh, something that I think that people need to start getting more educated about. That's what my reporting is, is all about. Uh, not just reporting about the occult and explaining to you how evil works in this world and how, how substantial it is in terms of its, its, its footprint here in America is so substantial. And so that's what my work is about. You'll find it as well at randyrocketcody.com, all the reporting I do there uh, about the Illuminati and, and, and the coming uh, ushering in of the, uh, the Antichrist and what is basically a, a one world religion um, under Lucifer. This is all very real. Everyone can sit around, laugh and, and say what a, what a joker I am. But I'm telling you right now, uh, this this is the Fourth Reich. The uh, the Nazi Third Reich has basically extended here into America after World War II with the secret uh, Operation Paperclip project with the U.S. government's full backing allowed all of these Nazi scientists into America. And this is how Montauk, which I've written about and scared the hell out of people, a report i just written, do you want to check out? Explains like how the, the whole show that you watch Stranger Things explains this ex, this report explains how Montauk how it all began with those scientists from Operation Paperclip these Nazi scientists. So everyone can joke and laugh all they want, but there is definitely an agenda at hand. It is growing very fast. It is moving very fast, and if you don't wake up, you're going to be in trouble here real soon. So that's. That's what I will continue to do is to expose that. That's what Chris Cornell was trying to do. That's what Chester Bennington was trying to do at the end of, of their lives. They were, they knew about all this Pizzagate stuff. They knew about all this pedophilia going on with the elite, human sacrifices, and all of this stuff is real. I've proven that to you. I proved that Chris Cornell was murdered. Forensically, I proved that to you. You know, I took you to school like a homicide investigator. Those reports are still there. You can find my feed on Twitter. I have been allowed back on Twitter. I'm, I'm no longer banned there. They've allowed me back on at Rocket Metal Den. On Twitter. Rocket Metal Den. You'll find me there. 
you'll find my feed and you'll find all the stuff that I've been writing about for the past, for many years now. And you're going to find all these different Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington uh, reports. You're going to start to see that the stuff that they said I was writing about that was supposed to be a hoax, you're going to find out it wasn't a hoax. That it's very real. So we're going to uh, talk about some other things going on at uh, themelden.com before we get rocking with some music. Uh, obviously, uh, crazy time in the world right now with all that's going on. I know a lot of people are having struggles out there, whether it's financially or with the COVID-19. Uh, we've got news now that Vince Neal from Motley Crue has been diagnosed with COVID-19. What is Motley Crue going to do without without Vince Neal, right? So now Vince Neal is, is, is down. He's saying it's real serious. The people <clears throat> that I'm talking to say it's real serious that Vince is going to be out for a little bit. He's going to be down. So what does that play into? Well, we're just, ladies and gentlemen, we're 27, 20, however many days away from Motley Crue playing back-to-back -back nights coming up, okay, in early February in Atlantic City, if I've got that correct. Vince Neal, in two weeks, has another solo gig. Now, he's canceled his solo appearance at Rock Island Fest that was to, to take place here. Uh, he's, he's not going to do that. So he's canceled that. This comes on the heel of it being uh, uh, released that and, and, and put out in the press that Nikki Six is demanding that Vince Neil and his solo band stop performing Motley Crue songs. See, I, what's going, been going on, if you've noticed with Vince Neil and his solo gigs, they've been just horrible. And he's been falling off the stage, uh, whether it's drunk or not, he's forgetting how to sing. He's quit during the middle of a Motley Crue song, one of them, and just walked off the stage. And so Nikki Six knows he's in trouble right now. The band had to come clean because I forced them to about Mick Mars. They did not want to admit that Mick Mars was not going to be in the band anymore. You know how hard it is to sell tickets without Mick Mars and Motley Crue? So he did not want that. Nikki did not want that out until definitely not until maybe February, start of February, so that they could sell other tickets. You know, February 2023 at least. Well, I dropped the bomb in November of 2022. So ever since then, it's been a stop the bleeding scenario for Nikki Six and Motley Crue. That's why they went ahead and came clean. They took them 11 days to finally admit that I was right after I blew the story up and got out and went all around the iHeart radio rock stations all around the country on their sites. And it got so big that it forced Nikki and the management of the crew to admit that the Metal Den was right. They went to Variety, the biggest entertainment news source and put it out through them. No official statement of coming from, from Mick. It was a whole type of band type of, of, of uh, corporate type of deal. And that's where John Karabi is saying, the ex-singer from Motley Crue is saying that he doesn't buy the story that Nikki Six is feeding us. Okay, so now the wheels are starting to turn on the other rumor that had come out through the Metal Den about Scott Staff, the ex-Creed singer, potentially being the replacement for Vince Neil. So that's that's been something that's been on the table. Now people go, Scott Staff, where the hell did this name come from? People, Scott Staff is a part of the crew's inner circle. He's been 
working with uh, uh, Marty Fredrickson, the uh, former crew producer, as well as had produced Tattoos and Tequila with uh, Vince Neal's uh, solo band. Um, and he's done Scott's latest solo album that came out 2019, 2020. That is fabulous. And so that's where all this buzz is coming from. Okay. I didn't make this story up. This is all something that is very real. They even, uh, Vince Neal and Scott Stapp performed at a private gig, I found out, together after uh, Scott's solo album came out. So this is something that's been in development. There, There's something that's called business that has to get done. And if Vince Neal is not able to perform these concerts, even to the level that he was doing before, uh, with the, the 36 stadium tour dates, which were horrendous. But if he can at least keep it up to that standard and falls off at all, for whatever reason, ladies and gentlemen, maybe it is this COVID thing's got him. You get a flu, a cold, whatever, it's going to mess with your vocal cords. Any singer will tell you that. So now he's going to have to he's going to have to get stronger in, in, in that aspect before he can even think about singing live. Because you don't want to do damage to the cords. So if he even is sick, because there are some of us who think that he's not sick, that Vince is on a booze binge. Remember the stories that came out via the Metal Den last year with Vince, uh, you know, ditching rehab, uh, drinking $10,000 bottles of booze. The former limo driver, Al Bowman, coming out and saying that, that Vince is drinking himself to death. I mean, how much more writing on the wall do y'all need? You had uh, the dude from Cypress Hill say, telling the story on YouTube about on his podcast about the valet at the at the Whiskey Go-Go being hit by Vince Neal with a pizza box, with the pizza in it, because the valet guy would not give him his keys because Vince was so drunk. He didn't want him to drive drunk and kill someone like he killed Razzle from Hanoi Rocks. So this is something that's ongoing. It's 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 only getting worse. Vince Neal is, is only more of a train wreck now uh, because of the fact that all that stuff they talked about, this this revolutionary fat-burning device and all this stuff that was a bunch of crap. The fact of the matter is, he doesn't take care of himself. I've showed the people, I showed, showed if you follow my Facebook, Randy Rock and Cody Facebook, uh, that Graham Bonnet, the legendary Graham Bonnet, right, is... Mid-70s, ladies and gentlemen, and this guy is performing. Go on YouTube. He's performing all these, these classic songs that he's been a part of and flawlessly like the sounds like the studio albums. And he's 75 years old. So I don't want to hear the age excuse for Vince Neil. Vince Neil just does not care. And so that's the situation that we're in now. We're in a situation where Nikki Six is a businessman. They fired Vince Neal before, right? Now, that was over his race car driving, they said, or something. He was too into race car driving. This guy is a disaster. There is no way he's going to be able to pull off all these different shows overseas. It's one thing to play in the United States and just travel from state to state. But to be traveling from country to country and all that jet lag and I just don't see it happening. I see him falling apart, literally, on the stage. Uh, he looks to me like he got heavier towards the end of the um, stadium tour. I've seen pictures. I mean, he's just, he's huge. 
He's like dressed like Aretha Franklin with these robe type things on. It's like, what the hell are you? Who are you trying to kid here, man? You don't exercise. When all you do is shove food down your throat and drink booze all day. And don't take care of yourself and then, and then slap some fucking makeup on your face. And let's take a picture of me now, everybody. That's not going to cut it. You know, going and doing these cameos where you're shit face drunk, you can't even you can't even talk. Okay, Vince. Let's get real. This is a disaster. Motley Crue does not have the original lineup in place anymore. Mick Mars is gone. There went their safety net. The only guy in the band who actually had his head on straight. I caught Tommy Lee fake drumming during the stadium tour, ladies and gentlemen, with a backing track for drums. The band's clearly sabotaging the whole tour. I started off with Tommy needing his own replacement drummer. Now Mick is gone. Everybody said, oh, I'm Rocket, you're full of it. He's not gone. He said, you're full of it. Oh, yeah, really? Two weeks later, Variety. <laughs> Variety. You ever heard of them? Well, you know what Variety said? They said, Rocket is right. Mick is gone. So much for me being wrong, huh? So the bottom line is, is whether anybody wants to believe the Scott Stapp story or not, Scott Stapp is a part of the Motley Crew inner circle. He hangs out with the band. He works with their producer. He's hung out and done a gig or two with Vince Neil over the years. And he's definitely an option. And ladies and gentlemen, all you crew fanatics, you're going to need a second option. If Vince cannot make these shows starting in February. And then all of these dates overseas. And I, I don't even know how many there are of them. I don't even care. I know that's one too many for, for Vince Neil. And then they're going to try and come back in 2024 and play, play North America again? What are they trying to do? They don't even have any new music. Why would you come back again in 2024? That makes no sense. After you completely decimated the first 36 dates and... Listen, ladies and gentlemen, those, those reviews are out there. Google them yourself. The Boston, Fe the Fenway Park show always got just lambasted, completely decimated by the, the rock critics. Not even me saying anything. These are th these guys with their own opinions at these own publications just going off on how bad Vince Neil is. So this, this is going to be a business move if... if uh, Nikki decides to, to make one similar to what happened with uh, Mick Mars. Now, word coming out is that Mick Mars was fired by Nikki Six. That Nikki Six has been covering up the truth. That's why he didn't come out immediately after I broke the story about Mick Mars and didn't want to admit anything because he was trying to buy himself some more time. That's how pissed off he is at me. So, who's the big liar? Let's look at this for what it really is. Nikki Six. <laughs> Nikki Six is the one who looks like the complete idiot right now. That's the facts. 
And Nikki Six is playing the fans. And to come out and say that it was because of his, to use that excuse, Vince's uh, or, or Mick's back disease, this rare back degenerative back disease that, that Mick has, to use that when Carmine Pisa said that, that that's not that, uh, Mick's going to perform more gigs, possibly even this year. He, Mick's got a solo album coming, ladies and gentlemen. Mick is not done. Yes, he's 71 or however old he is. And yes, he's looking more decrepit as he ages, dealing with this back issue. But he was still up there performing the gigs. Yes, there is some rumor that he possibly was using a backing track as well. But let's get real with things. The main problem here is not the backing track per se, of these instruments, the, the drums, the bass, the guitar, whatever. If anybody needs a backing track right now, it's Vince Neil. <laughs> if anybody needs to just pretend like they're singing and just shut up, it's Vince Neil. That's the problem. It sounds like two... Like, Chia Pets making love on crack. It's just, it's bad. It's, it's not good for the band's legacy, for their, for their current image. And what they're trying to do is, is now revamping with a, a youthful kind of look now with getting rid of Mick and, and getting this John Five, this hotshot player, right? And then they've got the big, the big fat moose center stage. Like he got stuck with a, a pitchfork in his ass. It's not going to fly, folks. And I'll tell you right now, he's the wheels are coming off. They were coming off, as I said, as I told everybody at the end of at the end of the whole deal with uh, the stadium tour. So just keep your eyes on this. It'll be interesting to see how much worse it gets. Uh, legendary guitarist Jeff Beck has died at age seventy-eight. Oh man, that real sad news to report. He's one of my favorites, and it. Just done an awesome turn on the uh, latest Ozzy album, so check that out. He's played on a bunch of songs there. There's a lot of different guitarists on, on that album. But, of course, you know, it's big time for Ozzy. It's a big time uh, success with all the crazy health stuff going on with Ozzy. At least he's got this this going for him. This album is kicking butt. Uh, we've got some other news. Uh, Prong has debuted a new single. Um, Revocation has dropped God Forsaken music video. Abby Normal has debuted Discrimination music video. And really, that's an age discrimination lawsuit in the making, right? For, for Mick Mars with Nikki Six. I mean, what the hell? It's, uh, it, it's, it's really quite offensive if that's the actual reason that they're, uh, you know, shit canning Mick Mars, the great Mick Mars. And if that's the case, then what about Vince, right? What about Vince? You bring in a younger, better singer, more professional, it's not falling off the stage. Who knows what, what could happen, right? Sky's the limit. All right, we got Dead Will Walk has a new music video premiere. Uh, Dutch death metalers, Dead Will Walk. And they've got their uh, new EP coming out, A New Day of Dawning. So check out that uh, 
coming up at TheMetalDen.com. Got uh, Cradle of Filth is co-headlining U.S. tour. Devil Driver has been announced. So all sorts of cool stuff to check out, TheMetalDen.com, as well as at my uh, personal site, RandyRocketCody.com. Uh, we'll go back on the radio again in uh, February with uh, my buddy Ryan O'Neill, WQEE 99.1 in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, catch him at uh, Ryan on radio on Facebook. Want to give a quick shout out to uh, some of the other friends and uh, followers, uh, my family, my sister, Danielle, her husband, Gary. Uh, they're just getting over being sick with the flu. Um, hope you're all feeling better. Also, my brother Jay, he's going to be uh, going back into the restaurant biz here. I uh, wish him the best of luck. Uh, he'll be doing that here soon. And uh, have all sorts of other uh, cool followers. My buddy uh, Troy uh, Stingray, he's got uh, on Twitter, End of Century. You'll find him there. I want to give a shout out to uh, Chris of Nynemia Band. He and his wife just celebrated their honeymoon together. And, uh, and took a trip, uh, I got that right, to New York City. Is that where you guys went, I believe? Um, but great guy and, and great band, Nynemia, featuring Megadeth drummer Dirk Verburen. And they're going to have some, some really cool stuff going on here in uh, 2023, so check it out. I've got my latest interview with uh, Chris. You can check out TheMetalDen.com. I also want to uh, you know, just send a shout out to everyone out there that's supporting me and, and, and spreading the word, uh, whether it's on Twitter or Facebook and sharing my work. I really appreciate it, okay? It goes a long way because everyone's trying to bury me and not let the, the Mel Dens news get out, but somehow miraculously they always get, get big time and uh, somehow I get through get through these uh, censorship loopholes. But really appreciate it. Really appreciate everybody spreading that word and, uh, and, and, and taking care of uh, me and the Metal Den having our backs, okay? All right, let's get rocking with some music.
stuff we hear, we definitely need something a little different and a little bit more closer to reality. And you've expressed to me your intention in telling this story mainly because of uh, your family history with your dad, your grandma, and your grandpa who, who dead and passed away, correct? Correct. Um, um, let's talk a little bit about this. Let's talk about your family connection. We talked a little bit about it, but let's go ahead and dive deeper into Sure. Um, into it how you learned from your grandma about this situation. And I know you, you, you're the kind of person that's got to investigate, like, yeah, okay. Well, this happened, yeah, this happened all the way back in 1987. No, so you got to understand, I was born in 1970, and then all the stuff went down, you know, in my first part of my life. My father was in prison for, for organized crime-related activities. I was not explained anything. I was a kid growing up in Los Angeles, estranged from my family in Chicago. I was born in Chicago, folks, in, in the heart of where this all happened with Al Capone. I was born there. In Cook County, so that don't get any more gangster than that. That's what it says on my birth certificate. Okay, so I, as a kid, thought, "What the hell is going on with my family? I don't know anything about it. My my dad's in prison, and so I grew up wanting to know the answers and to these questions that I had. And so that was kind of where the whole thing, because you know, everyone growing up as a kid, what is bigger and more fantastic than uh, than your father being a gangster? Just about nothing, you know? And I'm talking about my father was at the level of John Gotti. My father got one less count of racketeering uh, than John Gotti did. And it happened in around the same time, but in Cincinnati, Ohio. And my father's attorney was F. Lee Bailey. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that should tell everybody that we're not playing around here. So, I mean, that's big time. I mean, he's a, he's a legend. And, uh, and what I began to learn was that my family were legends in the American mafia. And it was a secret story that had been kept from me, kept from the world, kept from the public. Uh, and this screenplay sets the record straight. It, it basically, in a nutshell, uh, tells you the story about how they took down Al Capone, the, the, the actual true story of the, of the a treasury agent that was brought and put inside the Capone gang, a man named Michael Malone, it's a fantastic story. The fact that he was able to survive and, and to not get killed and not get uh, figured out is just an amazing story in itself. It's the, to me, it's, that's part of the movie that is the most intriguing. But it's a very small aspect of this movie because this movie is about as big and epic as you can get. It's huge. It's a, it's a movie that will definitely be between it's, – it's, it's at two hours pace, but I wouldn't be surprised if someone bought it and they beefed it up to three hours. Um, it's that fantastic of a movie. I tried to, to, to do as much as I could and fit as much as I could into two hours and, and, and get this, the story told the way I wanted to tell it because I'm, I'm giving you the, uh, the true story of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, which they tried to pin on Al Capone as well, and that started to help turn the public against him in the, in the newspapers. Well, that was complete BS. I found out that a guy named uh, Billy Skidmore, who was involved with some crooked cops, there had been a, a bad booze uh, hijacking that went down. And this was acknowledged by a man who worked for the Prohibition uh, Administration Office named Frederick Silloway there in Chicago, who shortly after that was removed from his post when he straight up called out um, everyone for, for saying what they were saying about Capone and saying that 
that this was a hijacking that took place. The hijacking involved a guy named, um, and, and who was brought in for the St. Valentine's Day mask was a guy named Killer Burke. And Skidmore brought, with the cops, brought him in, and he was the, he was the guy, he was the guy that uh, killed, killed most of the people in there. Um, so this is all, this is all stuff that's in the script. It's the first time it's ever been revealed. And, and it shows you the, the railroading. And this is something I spoke to Al Capone's niece about on the phone. Uh, when I first began to, to uh, research and, and, and go after writing the screenplay, uh, I spoke to her on the phone at one point, and she was very sweet and, and spent a lot of time explaining to me the true Al, who Al really was. And it's it's not this monster that people have built up. Um, my grandmother said this was the same way when she spoke about him. What a, what a nice, classy uh, man that he really, truly was. And that, uh, that he was railroaded. And he did a lot of good things for people. He had during this time. You have to ha have to understand. At this time, the Great Depression was going on. At the same time that the Prohibition had been started, so Al Capone was helping through soup kitchens for the first time. He was putting up soup kitchens and feeding the the, the homeless people, the hungry people. And a lot of people say, "Oh, he's just doing that because he's trying to, you know, because he's trying to better his image with what just happened with the Saint Valentine's Day massacre." Well, he had nothing to do with that. Okay, and so that's what this, yeah. Absolutely. Yes, sir. They sure did. In fact, there's a scene in the movie where he's at a baseball game. He was a big baseball, uh, major league baseball fan. And he's at a Chicago. Yeah, he's at one of the Chicago uh, teams uh, games. Um, and he uh, he just loved it. But the people stood up and literally got to their feet, rose to their feet in ovation uh, for for Capone when he was mentioned in the crowd. And so, um, you know, the guy's a legend, you know, and he was he was someone that the people definitely uh, looked up to. They tried to do everything they, they could. And I believe that's what the railroading was, was because he was getting too powerful. And he was such a powerful force on his own. I mean, the, you got to understand, this is 1928. He was 28 years old. And he was he was he was running the Chicago mob, and uh, which was really at that time, which was the most powerful mafia organization in America, and um, and so you know this this is something that people need to understand that him and his brother and, and my family really are the ones who, uh, who 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 did all of this and 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 really helped this whole obsession that we have now with with gangsters and and uh, you know the Scarface movie with Al Pacino. What people need to understand is that Scarface movie with Al Pacino was based off of an earlier 1930s like Paul Muni movie that was completely fictional. The guy that wrote it admitted that. He couldn't write about at that time about the, the real things going on. He would have got clipped. All these people are gone now. All these people are gone now. This story is 95 years old. Okay, Most of anybody that would have anything to do with this are gone. So very, very few people that exist on this world, in this world today, have any understanding about this story. They would have to be on the inside of the family like me. Well, you know, people are good, people are bad. 
Well, you know, let me give you one, one last thing I'll say about it. And people, this will really ring your bell. Elliot Ness, we all know his name, right? Oh, Elliot Ness from the Untouchables. This guy, he busted busted Capone down. This guy was a complete joke. Elliot Ness was a raging alcoholic. He was taking the booze from Capone's uh, places and drinking it and giving it away and uh, bragging about what he was doing. Okay? That man was no officer of the law. He was trying to get attention for himself, which he did a great job of it. They did TV shows about him, didn't they? Okay? But he was no nowhere near the the man the great man that he 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 made himself to be he was he 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 was a cheat and he was uh he was he was completely corrupt and that's what the script in the movie is is going to uh is going to put out there and look there was even a a, a tribute ceremony that was supposed to go down for Elliot Ness they were going to name some do a big plaque and they called that off it's starting to come out the the truth is starting to come out man
people are going, man, aren't you afraid to, uh, aren't you afraid to tell jokes like that? Don't you have just a small chill that runs through your fucking blood when you tell a story or jokes like that? No. No, folks, because uh, I'm not worried about hell. You know, just think I go to hell? No, no. Because I was married for two fucking years! Hell would be like Clubman! Hell would be like a fucking resort, man. Matter of fact, have you been married? It ruins the devil's whole job. He's blown out, he's pissed off. You make him look like a Ronald McDonald with big feet and orange hair. He doesn't know, you're walking down the hall, you're going to hell, he sees you coming, he goes, oh yeah, here's somebody. Here's somebody I'm gonna scare the shit out of and torment, all right. What? Have you been married? Let me take this shit off. Hold on. No, they didn't tell me. Yeah. Oh, come on in. I'll give you the tour anyway. There won't be any surprises here for you, but I'll show you around. Come on in. <laughs> See, over here is where we uh, torment the soul. Whoa. <laughs> well, shit, man. If you've been married, uh, if you've been married, it's just it's not very much I can scare you with down here. You've seen it. Just... What? What? You've been married twice? <laughs> would, would you would you like a job down here, huh? Because you've been married twice, you qualify for our job employment program here now. We figure anybody who's been married twice can be a tour guide in hell. You can be a tour guide. You can take your own groups. Folks, stick with me. I've been married twice. I know this place pretty fucking well. And I won't lose you on this one. All right. Hold on.
fucking beyond grateful for this. This is fucking insane. Unfucking believable. Unfucking believable. I love you. I love you. Hey, two things. Two things, man. Some of my favorite shit, man. Let's see if we can fucking rally some fucking airplanes or aliens or some shit from above. Everybody light up your goddamn phones. Light this whole bitch up. Let's send a message. But this. Light them up. Let me see them. They're gonna know where fucking home is.